Hey, good morning. How are we doing out there? Everyone good? <clears throat> Listen, it's amazing. We are, we are shocked, impressed, uh, and just, I think just, um, just so excited that we are committed as a church to be in God's presence and be together. Uh, what an incredible thing. So uh, great to see you. Uh, we're just going to enjoy God today, uh, whether it's in our cars or if you're going to be watching at home later. Um, we're just going to take time just to be with him uh, and hear from him. And I uh, want to start with this. Uh, for some of you, you'll love that I can't say I invite you to stand. So you'll love that, that you get to sit in your cars. Unless you want to stand out in the rain, uh, maybe someone will come around with, uh, uh, with an umbrella for you. But we're going to start with this course, a real simple course. And my feet doesn't stand a chance when I'm standing your love, my feet. Doesn't stand a chance when I'm standing your love. My feet doesn't stand a chance when I'm standing your love. We're just casting all of our cares on Him. We're going to fear God more than we fear those things. My feet doesn't stand a chance when I'm standing your love. My feet doesn't stand a chance when I'm standing. Stand a chance when I stand in your love. Such a good love. We sing this verse. When darkness tries to roll over my bones, when sorrow comes to steal the joy I own, when brokenness and pain is all I know. this again. My feet doesn't stand a chance when I'm standing your love. My feet doesn't stand a chance when I'm standing your love. My feet doesn't stand a chance when I'm standing your love. We sing shame. And shame no longer has a place to hide. And I am not a captive to the lies. I'm not afraid to leave my past behind. Oh, I won't be shaken. Oh, I won't be shaken. We declare it now. My feet doesn't stand a chance when I stand. Death has lost its grip on me. You have 
broken every chain. There's salvation in your name, Jesus Christ, my living hope. And hallelujah, praise the one who set me free. Hallelujah, dead as a lost is grip on me. Satan is described in Scripture as a, as a prowling lion. He's coming around to seek and kill and destroy. And yet in Scripture, our God is described as the Lion of Judah, as the roaring lion of victory at the cross and at the resurrection. And he conquers once and for all Satan at that place. We sing this out. Then came the morning that sealed the promise. Your very body began to breathe out of the silence. The roaring lion declared the grave has no claim on me. Amen. Then came the morning that sealed the Celebrate 
Jesus Christ, my living hope. Sing that. Jesus Christ, my living hope. Sing it right to him in praise. Jesus Christ, my living hope. You've set us free. Jesus Christ, my living hope. It's a real simple course. It's not on your paper, but I'll teach it to you. You'll pick up on it quick. individual things that he's been so good to give you, to care for you, to take care of you. Just call it out in your heart to him, everything that he's done. Sing it right to him. My heart is for him and him alone, for his praise and his alone. Sing it right to his voice, right to his heart, right to his face. God, you're so good. Just right where you're at, even in your car, raise your voice. God, you're so good. The people in your car need to know how good he's been. God, you're so you're so good to me. And now as the people of God, we'll sing, God, you're good to us. We're together as a family of God, his people, his sons, his daughters. And God, you're so good. Yes, you are. God, you're so good all the time. God, you're so good, you're so good to us. Let's give him praise this morning. God, we thank you. Lord, we thank you that we can be together uh, and just worship you. It is, it is special and it's your will and your way just to be together. And be in your presence, just to sit in your will, Lord.
and obey. Lord, we praise you because you're the one that set us free. You're the one that has done that work. So we lift your name, Jesus. Lord, I can't get over how good you've been to me. How good you've been to our church. How faithful you've been through this season. stopped enough just to think how faithful you've been in this season, Lord. How faithful you've been to our families. How you've seen them through darkness. How you've brought hope in the middle of it. How you've protected and surrounded and guarded your people as you promised. And how you've brought us through to be back together, Lord, to continue to meet together. Teach us to stop. Teach us to see amidst all the other chaos, Lord, all the, all the politics, all the craziness. Lord, as your people, we don't care about that, Lord. We want to look and see your goodness and your faithfulness. You do that, Lord. You work in the middle of all of this. You've been so good. In the middle of a pandemic, you've been so good. Lord, that's first in our heart. We see that you've been good at all times. One more time, just as an act of trust. nothing but you and your faithfulness and your goodness. One more time in celebration. God, you're so good. God, you're so good. We're releasing everything else. God, you're so time we celebrate him. We praise you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Just want to hit a few announcements. Pastor Scott's going to come out and open the word for us. Um, We have some things coming up in the fall that are just some really cool things. Next Sunday, we're going to have a missions fair where there are some of the missionaries that we support uh, and workers that we support are going to be here. They're going to share some information on what they do. You get to put sort of a face with what their ministry is. And then after the service, they're going to be here in tents and in spaces where you can go and visit with them. So we would encourage you just to, number one, be here for that, but also afterwards, stay around. Stick around. From what I hear, there might be some donuts, so that's some perk to stick around. But also stick around and just spend some time at those tents to learn uh, who we support, why we support them, uh, and and hear their heart. Uh, another thing that's going on is this Tuesday, Alpha is going to kick off. So if you are someone that's wrestling with faith, or if you have a friend or family member that's wrestling with faith, Lord, uh, we we want to see people come, God. And so, Lord, would you just begin to open our hearts to that? So church, would we do that? Would we just begin to see with, with eyes that God sees, those that are lost and in need of uh of, of Jesus. And so if you're that person or if you're a person like that, it's an online ministry, so it's really easy just to log into it. You can do it from your house. Uh, or if you know someone, maybe even join up with them at your house or their house and log in and be a part of that. You'll want to sign up. Uh, we were going to have a tent out here, but with the rain, that's not going to happen. But you can sign up on our website for that. Uh, the last thing uh, is uh, we want to pray for Ken Kutzel. He is over uh, in uh, 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 He's over in Niger, Niger, I think is how it's pronounced. Um, And uh, they've been having a ton of flooding. Uh, So you think about the rain we have today. They've been having it, from what I hear, 
It sounds like it's been going on for weeks now. And uh, we just want to pray for them. It's, it's flooded his school that he works at. Uh, it's flooded a lot of areas around that city. Uh, I know he is sort of downplaying it, but it just seems like it is a pretty massive devastation for that city. So we want to pray for his ministry. We want to also just pray for the people of that city because uh, we desire their heart to know the Lord uh, and also for them to be protected just uh, by God's hand. So let's pray for him. Lord, we ask... Uh, as we see the rains here, Lord, we can see the image of what's happening there, uh, the flooding, the devastation. And God, um, we ask your protection around that city, around the people of that city, uh, or around uh, Ken especially, Lord, that you would give your hand to protect him, uh, protect him from the flooding, protect him from the other things that come with that, Lord. Uh, we know that you're in control over there. We trust you with it. God, we also just ask that you would uh, just... Stand in the cleanup, be in the cleanup for them, Lord, so that they can get the, the ministries back open, the school back open, and the other things that are in the ministry. People are, are similar to what we've been in, where we've been separated, Lord. Um, right now, because of the floodings, they're separated. Would you clean it up quickly, and would you bring them together so that the gospel can go forward, Lord, and um, your name can go out? Lord, would you just get praise, even in, even in the devastation? Lord, we've seen how you work all things for good, um, and even in the de devastation, Lord, I just ask, Lord, that, um, that you would begin to work good, that your, your good news would go forward, that your spirit would begin to work um, and heal the suffering, Lord. Heal the pains, heal the losses. Uh, we ask this in your name, Jesus Christ. Amen. I'm uh, obviously not as tall as Jake. Hey, guys, this is so cool. Like, um, man... Eight months ago, nine months ago, the way we define church and how we think it should happen and, and, and the distractions, right? So we get into service and, oh, it's not like this and it's not like this. And now here we are, we're outside and we're in cars and it's raining and, and we're learning, hey, we, there's a lot of stuff we don't need. There is just very little that we need to worship God outside of a willing heart, right? And... And here we are. We got it online. You guys are at home, probably in your PJs, you know, drinking coffee, looking out the window. I don't know. Uh, great to see you guys. Uh, if you could see this, we've got, I don't know, 90 cars out here. We got some people on the lawn and uh, most like 11 people on the lawn. <laughs> so, yeah, let's hear it up for the lawn people. <laughs> Exodus says this, it says this, uh, or actually it's a Deuteronomy and Exodus, but there's this passage where God gives these commands to Israel, says this is how I want you to live. And one of them is he says, I want you to, to work six days and I want you to take one day for me. It says actually to the Lord. And he goes on and he says, and this is why, because I took you out of the land of Egypt. I redeemed you. I saved you. And I don't want you to ever forget on this day, as a rhythm for the rest of your life, to never forget what I have done for you. And so you guys sitting there in your cars, th there's just this moment here. I want to, want to encourage you, and on the lawn and at home, this is the Sabbath day. This is the day where we stop and we remember how the Lord redeemed us. And if nothing else happens today... But that, and that you sit there and, and you contemplate what Christ did for you. These songs, I mean, I just love these songs. And it's, this, is, this is free. This isn't part of my message. Um, but there, those songs just rehearse what Jesus did. Your salvation. And, and where you are, I just encourage you to just say, Lord, this day's for you. And, and I remember. And I remember. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Um, that's free. I don't know. It was just, what a, that was just a worshipful time. I, and I don't know. That's why it's, I'm talking <laughs> about this because I'm just like, we don't need very much to worship the Lord. Only a willing heart and one that remembers all that Jesus has done for us and to thank him. So I invite you to turn to Colossians chapter 1. We're in our fourth and final message here on this, this idea or these these passages on prayer, like, do it, Lord. So there's this guy, a famous violinist named uh, Yehudi, and uh, 
he, he was a savant, really, like one of the best violinists out there that ever lived. And uh, he remembers the day that he encountered and heard the violin. He was three years old. His parents took him to a concert. Uh, it was actually a symphony. And he watched and listened to the violin, and he knew at three years old he wanted to play the violin. And so he asked his mom and dad, can you get me a violin for, for my fourth birthday? That's what he wanted. And so his mom and dad went out and bought him a violin and gave it to him. And when he opened it, he looked at it, and he burst into tears, and he threw it on the ground because it was a cheap little violin with metal strings. And he says, I knew in that moment, this is, this is what he wrote in his memoirs later. He says, I, I burst into thought, sobs, I threw it on the ground, I wouldn't have anything to do with it. He said, I wanted nothing less than the real thing because I knew instinctively for me to play the violin was to be. He went on from that birthday gift to becoming a world-class violinist. At the age of seven, his first concert was with the San Francisco Symphony. At age 12, he hosted a concert at Carnegie Hall with the symphony there and launched a global career. At the age of 12, at the age of 12, I think I tried riding my bike off my picnic table and got a concussion. Um, that's uh, just unbelievable. I often hear Christians describe their experience of Christianity like Yehudi's birthday gift. And at the beginning and meeting Christ, you're spiritually young. It's, it's like we know this is what we were created for. To know him and to be connected with him, that's everything. It's life itself. And then somewhere along the line, often this happens, we begin to substitute the real thing for something cheap, something less than, something that doesn't sound right, doesn't play the way it should. And there's times in our lives where we realize it and we just throw it down and go, I, I, that is not what I was created for. I want the real thing. And we return to Christ. And, and there's other times where we look at the invitation and we know it's the invitation. We never want it. And my question today is, are you playing the real thing or are you settling for an invitation? And Paul's prayer today is one I realize I'm yelling because I don't have a speaker, so I'm going to stop. I don't have to yell, do I? All right, beautiful. I'm like yelling. <laughs> All of a sudden, I'm giving a yeller. All right, I'll just chill out. Um, so Paul's, Paul's idea here, his prayer here, it, it comes from this life where he had the real deal. He'd, he'd lived with the real deal. He knew what the real deal was. And his prayer is, I, I want you, you Colossian people, and it reaches into Wadsworth right now and the communities around here, wherever we're from. He says, I want you to have the real deal. Don't settle. And he says, this is what I've been praying for you, Colossians. This is a church that he planted and then moved on from him. And he's writing back to them a, a letter. And he says, I'm praying in verse 9 of chapter 1, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of the will of God, right? In his will, he's talking about God. In all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. May you be strengthened with all power and, and endure. May you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. Giving thanks to the Father who's qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints. He's delivered us from the domain of darkness and brought us into the glorious freedom of the kingdom of his son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. This prayer from Paul is this no-holds-barred prayer. 
It, it, it's a pedal to the metal. It's full life. Like, go for it. It's the real deal. And I, I remember when I saw this passage uh, around nine or ten years ago, I, this was another one I, I hung out in and just prayed in because I'm like, Lord, I want this. Having, having spent time in, in Ephesians 1 and Ephesians 3 and praying through those, I found this one. I was like, I, I want this one. And I spent months coming back to this going, Lord, I, I want this. This is my prayer. And I think that's what Christ would call us to is, Ask me for this. Do this. And what is that? Well, the first thing he starts off with, this is my prayer, is that you would be filled with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. A lot of people talk about being uh, in the will of God or, or knowing what the will of God is. I want to know the will of God for my life. I want to know the will of God. What do I want to, what does he want me to do for a living? What is he, who does he want me to marry? Where does he want me to live? All of these things. How does he want me to serve? And he says, I want to, to know that I'm praying this for you, that you would know the will of God through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. The idea of this is this, this spiritual wisdom, the spiritual understanding is not something that we just create. It's not just something that we stumble into. It, it's something other than us. It's beyond us. We are spiritual beings, but to understand the will of God, it doesn't come from us. It has to come from him. Os Guinness talked about this idea of the spiritual understanding. He says, spirituality is a matter of another reality. It's not just like religious sentiment, a commitment, a lifestyle, let alone a political stance, a mystical sounding word. Spirituality, in this context, for the follower of Christ is a matter of a different world, a different reality, different energies, different possibility, different prospect. And what he's saying is, I want you to be filled with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. So as you look at your life, what's the natural way do you look at it? You look at it, and I look at it. How do we approach life? How do we approach the decisions? How do we approach the landscape of everything around us and how we're interacting? Because what he's saying here is there is a possibility that we can know his will, and it's entirely different than what this world would say or what we're thinking. Like you think you know the decision, or I think I know the decision on something, then we come to Christ, and all of a sudden the spiritual wisdom and understanding creates a whole different scenario about how he looks at it and how he wants us to move through it. I want you to know God's will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. As you look at your life, is it, is it laced with this spiritual wisdom? And this understanding. He invites us to pray this. Like, Lord, show me your will. Give me your wisdom. Give me your understanding. And, and God's will isn't some esoteric thing. It, it's not something that's so unreachable. God's will is something that he wants for us. He, he wants to give to us. He goes on and he says this. Ask that you would be filled with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And he goes on to say, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. And he gives two descriptions of this, fully pleasing him and bearing fruit in every good work. So when he says this idea, walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. A worthy life, a worthy walk. How's your walk with God? Is it a worthy life you're living? Is it an unworthy life? I mean, if you think of the opposite, that's a, that's a daunting phrase to contemplate. What does it look like to live a life worthy of the Lord? 
Paul's prayer is, I, I want your life to be that. And, and, and as you're sitting there and you're contemplating this or watching this online, is your life something that is worthy of the Lord or is it not? Paul's prayer is, I want you to live a life worthy of the Lord. I don't want you to go and settle for some cheap violin. I want you to play the real thing. And I want to, I want to see you live your life for him, worthy of the Lord. It's such a loaded, heavy word. Like, let it hit you. Let it rest on you. Is your life, even ask the Lord, is my life worthy of you the way I'm living it? And he describes the way it could be worthy in two ways. He says, bearing fruit in every good work is the first one, and increasing in the knowledge of God or growing in the knowledge of God, depending on what version you have. Those, those two ideas. Bearing fruit in every good work. We have, I don't know, five or six apple trees uh, on our property at home, wild apple trees um, out in our woods. And not one of them bears fruit. They're really pretty in the spring, but they don't bear fruit. One of the crazy stories you read through Jesus' life, one of the crazy stories is he goes up to this fig tree that's supposed to produce fruit. And it's not even in season. It's out of season. And Jesus is like, it's got no fruit. And so he basically curses it. Not basically. He curses the tree. It dies. And the, and the disciples are like, what gives? Like, it's not even in season. Like, and he curses it, and, he, and it dies. And, and his whole thing was this idea, and he goes on to talk about the, the importance of fruit. And, and what happens in this passage is Paul is saying, I want that you would bear fruit in every good work. I mean, that's an impossible word, every. Every good work. How'd you do this past week? How'd I do? Are we bearing fruit in every good work? It's an impossible thing, and, and what it does is it leaves us in this point where, where we have to sit back and go, I can't do that, right? I mean, that's impossible, but that's what Paul's saying is possible in Christ, and the only way we get there is we say, do it, Lord. I can't do that, and God says, I know. Ask me. Do it. Do this in me. And he says, growing in, in the knowledge and, uh, of understanding or growing in the understanding of God. Increasing our knowledge of God. It's this idea that it could be in the classroom and it could be in solitude. But his prayer is that they would keep growing. Keep increasing in their knowledge of God. You know, it, it's discouraging to watch over a life. If you've, if you've walked with Christ and maybe you've seen Christians who stop growing in their knowledge. I don't know why. There's often a story behind it. Why do Christians stop growing? Why do they stop increasing? Because God is, is infinite, right? You, you, you can't, you and I cannot stop growing in our knowledge of God. I often wonder that. And it's, it's something that we're in the Word, we're growing there, it's in the classroom, it's in, a, it's in groups, our community groups, it's, it's in solitude. But Paul's prayer and God's desire for us is that we would never, ever, ever stop growing in our knowledge of Him. Just keep going deeper. I remember I was at Denver Seminary, and, and I got, you know, there was an open invite to this prayer uh, meeting, and it was with the former, he was now the, the president emeritus, so it was the former president of Denver Seminary, and I went to this, into the prayer meeting a couple times, and, and it was this guy, he was probably mid-80s when he was leading this thing, and um, he was just this famous leader, and he was there towards the end of his life in the last five to seven years and his number one passion was sitting down with people and praying with them and talking about 
how how is the kingdom going forward? Like this guy was so committed to missions and evangelism. So we sit in this this time, uh, and and I he'd have all these former students coming in and talking and telling stories, and and it was so interesting to sit there because I I, I missed out on on I missed what he was doing because I, I had this impression of this is what it was looking like. And I reflect back on those times because I stopped going after about two or three times. But all these students would come in and they just tell story after story after story. And I'm like, I don't want story time. I just want to pray. And what was interesting was all these stories, as I reflect on them, were stories about God. Listen to what God's doing here. Listen to how God loves this person. Listen to how this God's moving with this people and, and growing in my knowledge and understanding of God. And I could have hung around this guy, but I didn't. It was one of my regrets out of seminary that I didn't have the opportunity. I didn't take the opportunity just to meet weekly with one of the former presidents just to sit there with this guy who was still in his mid-80s pulling people in, telling me, tell me what God's doing. Tell me what the Lord is up to. Tell me how he's moving because I want to know more. I want to know more about my Lord. Are you growing in the knowledge of your Lord? Whether it's in solitude, whether it's in community, whether it's in a classroom, are you growing? It's a prayer that we can pray, Lord, increase my understanding, increase my knowledge. Some of you students, you're listening online or kids, you're like, I don't know how I'm ever going to be like you, Pastor Scott. Listen, I was, I was like Mr. I always, uh, my parents, man, when they, when they came to school for the parent-teacher conferences, I was always the kid like, Scott needs to learn to settle down. Scott needs to learn to not talk so much. Scott's so pleasant, but he can't pay attention. So I'm like, I'm telling you, if you, don't, if you think right there that I'm somehow like this super-duper spiritual dude, I, I'm telling you, it just starts with day by day, year after year, it, it builds up. It builds up, trust me. So your investment now is going to build up for later. It is. You can do this. You can do it. If I can do it, trust me, you can do it. And his final thing here, he makes one pr last prayer request, or actually it's two. May you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. He talks about this, this strengthening with power, and, and it's the measure, it, it's a reference you feel like he's almost quoting Ephesians 1 and Ephesians 3 because those are the same, almost the same exact words. But he says it for a different reason for endurance and patience with joy. So let me ask you something is anybody, is anybody struggling with patience right now? Is anybody about fed up with what's going on here and you're done enduring? You're ready for it to be over. Is anybody, <laughs> I got somebody that's on us in the back row. I hear your horn. I hear your horn. Is anybody struggling with joy in the middle of what you're enduring, in the middle of the patience you need? Now this, this is impossible. This is impossible. And this is why it's a prayer. Oh, God, help me. Oh, Lord, help me. Give, me. give me your power so that I can endure. Give me your power so that I can be patient. Give me your power so that I could do this with joy. How are you doing with that? I'm serious, like, how are you doing with endurance? Those of you online, with patience. Are you walking around brittle? Are you walking around thin? Like, it just takes one thing. One small thing. How are you doing with that? Uh, just think about that, because I think where we are right now and where everybody is, I, just stop. Lord, how am I doing with endurance? How am I doing with patience?
The final thing he says here is giving thanks to the Father who's qualified you to share in the adherence of the saints. He's delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of the Son he loves in whom we have redemption and forgiveness of sins. His last thing that he prays for this church is, is this, that they would be grateful. Isn't that interesting? And isn't it interesting it actually takes the power of God for us to actually be able to have the power to be grateful? Like we have to ask God, God, would you even give me the ability to give thanks? Because I don't even have the power to give thanks. How bad do you have it right now? How bad is your life? How difficult is it? Is it so difficult you can't give thanks? I mean, we could sit here and compare difficulties, and I think some, some people, we could vote on who's got it worse. Somebody might always have it worse than us. It's not about that. What Paul says is what we just finished our worship with is he, he says, no, I want you to focus your gratitude on salvation. I want you to focus your gratitude on Christ. Listen to that. He says, I want you to be thankful. Look what he's done for us. You get to share in the inheritance. You've been transferred out of darkness into light. You got a lot to be thankful for. You got a lot. I got a lot. And how much time are we spending whining and, and ungrateful rather than sitting back just saying, Oh, Lord, thank you. There is this gal, she, she wrote uh, just kind of a memoir, and she said, this is what I try to thank God for every day. Three things I try to thank God for every day. That he guaranteed me the knowledge of his works. I thank him that he set my, in my darkness a lamp of faith. And the third thing is, I thank him that I have another life to look forward to. A life joyous with light and flowers and a heavenly song. Three things she tried to thank God for every day of her life. You know who that was? That was Helen Keller. Who spent, I don't know. 10 years, 9 years of her life in an institution because, God, uh, because doctors had declared her mentally insane. But she was just blind and she was just deaf. And she says this, once, once that, once I, um, oh, I can't remember the gal who, who actually sat down and had the patience to realize and love and care, who was a Christian and sat down in front of her and realized this woman is just simply deaf and she can't see. And ends up caring for her and drawing her out and realizing this is a beautiful woman. And it's Helen Keller who's saying, I have so much to be thankful for. Like, you think you got it bad. We don't go down the comparison road. We, we go down this call that God gives us this violin. He says, I want you to play it. I want you, the violin is him, and the violation, violin is this connection to him. Paul's prayer is that we would come, be filled with knowing him. Live a life worthy of him. Endure, have patience with joy and, and to give thanks to him. Let me just close with prayer. Lord, would you do these things for us at Freshwater? They're hidden things, God. It's just deep soul work. It, would, you, would you do this in us, Lord? Change us, Lord, conform us. Would you teach us new things about you, Lord? Would you show us new things to know about who you are? Would you strengthen us with power? 
so we can endure and have patience. Would you, Lord, put within us the ability to live a life worthy of you? Lord, would you find us giving thanks? I pray, God, that you would answer this prayer. You would answer the prayers that we've been praying over these uh, Ephesians chapter 1 and chapter 3. Lord, this is all stuff that's so slow, it's so hidden, and yet eventually it comes out. It works out. It has to because it's you in us. And I just pray that over us. God, would you just do that? There's nothing fast about this, Lord. It's your work in us. And that you would see us, Lord. You would answer us. You would have mercy on us. Answer these prayers, we pray, Jesus. Amen. Well, thanks for coming to Freshwater and for the fresh water. So uh, you all have a great week. It looks like the weather's sunny for next Sunday. We're going to say it by faith, right? So, uh, yeah. You all have a great day. We'll see you next week. Thank <laughs> you.